Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm teaching on a brand new uh, series called The Blessing of Generosity. And I am really, really excited about it. You see the picture? Wow! Hallelujah. Because I believe that harvest is available on a completely different level than we may be experiencing now. Praise God. Now, I've had lots of great harvests in my life. I've had lots of good things come to me, and God has been so, so very good to me. I'm very, very thankful. I'm very, very grateful to Him. But the Lord actually spoke this to me. He laid the, gave me a title. I'd been thinking about it. Actually, for a few weeks, it had just been stirring on the inside of me. And then about a week ago in the middle of the night, he just dropped in my spirit what I'm going to teach on. So the first one we're going to talk about, and these are how they come in the scriptures, seed time and harvest. This is the first message I'll be sharing today, seed time and harvest. The second one is the tither's blessing. I want you to know that there's a blessing on tithing. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm still a tither. I'm a giver. Amen. I do not lack opportunity. I do, do not lack, praise God, ability. And money comes to me. I will never lack for money. So the tither's blessing. The third message is going to be on the grace of giving. And the last message is on the greatest gift and the greatest giver. How many of you are glad we got a great gift in Jesus in salvation? And God is the greatest giver. Praise the Lord. So uh, good things are happening. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and verse 25. It says this, it says, there is he who scatters and yet increases, and there is he who withholds more than is sufficient, but it tends to poverty. Verse 25 says, the liberal or the generous soul will be made fat, and he who waters shall be watered also himself. All right, I want to read this to you in the message. The message says it this way. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The next verse says... The one who blesses others will be abundantly blessed. And those who help others will be helped. Praise God. How many of you know that we, we get to be generous? We get to give. We get to sow. We get to help people in all kinds of ways. Now, the modern English version in verse 25 says, The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters others will be watered himself. Praise God. So we're talking about seed time and harvest. Years ago, Oral Roberts wrote a book called Miracles of Seed Faith. And he laid out three principles in this book that I believe everybody ought to know. Number one, you need to know that God is your source. Everybody say, God is my source. God is my source. Praise God. It's good to know that God is your source because sometimes people change, seasons change, things change, 
But God remains the same. God is our source. The second one that he said is you must sow a seed to reap a harvest. You see, Jesus said it this way, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you give it out, it will come back to you. That means if you get it out, give it out in teaspoonfuls, it's going to come back in teaspoonfuls. If you give it out in bucketfuls, it's going to come back in bucketfuls. If you give it back out in truckloads, it's going to come back in truckloads. But the same way that you give it out, it's going to come back to you. Praise God. Jesus said, given shall be given. So number one, he said, God is our source. Number two, he said, we must sow a seed to reap a harvest. You must give to receive. Number three, he said, you must expect a miracle. Everybody say, expect a miracle. What you believe has a lot to do with what you receive. Now, a lot of churches don't want to talk about the believing part. They want to leave the believing part out. But it's really interesting. I, I wrote this book on provision, releasing supernatural increase in your life. And I had two of my best friends and mentors, Andrew Womack and Jesse Duplantis, they both wrote a word about it. And both of them said this about this book. They both said, it's what you believe that has a lot to do with what you receive. Many times when I've been preaching, I, I, I'll go outside or somebody will talk to me afterward. They'll say, you really believe what you're preaching, don't you? Yes, I believe it. I believe all the Word of God and the Word of God is working in my life. So it's not you just, you don't do things just by chance. There's things that we specifically believe. When a farmer sows, he sows with purpose. He sows a certain kind of seed at a certain season, and he expects a harvest. If he didn't expect a harvest, he would not sow a seed. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, when we think about giving, there's really different kinds of giving. First of all, there's tithing. Tithing simply means a tenth. My daddy taught me to tithe when I was just a little bitty boy. Praise God. We might not, not have got a lot right, but we got that right. We tithe and we go to church. My dad taught me that when I was like four years old. Praise God. We might have done a lot of things wrong, but we did those things right. Praise God. So there's tithing. And then there's offerings. Offerings are above 10%, any kind of giving. There's almsgiving. Almsgiving is giving to the poor. You know, when the Bible says you don't let your left hand see what your right hand doing, that's actually talking about almsgiving. If you really believe that about everything, then you haven't just read the Old Testament. Because when you read the Old Testament, God said, this one brought that, and this one brought that, and this one brought that, and this one brought that. I mean, he's very specific talking about how they gave. But when it's, it, there's a couple of reasons in almsgiving, you don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. Number one is this, you don't want to be an embarrassment to the people that you're giving to. Number two is this, if you stand out on the corner and give money away and advertise it, you won't have any left, and our government proves that. 
Hallelujah. So a lot of time we're doing a lot of things. We just don't advertise all the things that we're doing. Amen. But we're constantly sowing seed. Now, the first one really that appears in the scriptures, and, and I like to add this to giving, tithing, offering, alms, and sowing seed. Sowing seed is the first principle that's laid down in the scripture. And so I tried to teach these as I see them in the scripture. So turn with me uh, to Genesis chapter 1. It begins really in the book of Genesis chapter 1. And we'll begin reading in verse 26. It says, God said, let us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, make man in our own image after our likeness. Let them have dominion. God wants us to have dominion. He wants us to walk in authority over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, created he him. Male and female created he them. Notice how God created them, male and female. There are only two genders. There's male with seed and female to receive seed. I heard a powerful, I think Derek sent me a powerful message on male and female from a brother I believe in Pennsylvania. It's a very direct message. It's a very powerful message. Amen. But God created them male and female. Now notice what it says in verse 28. When God created us, he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over every living thing, that moves on the face of the earth. So he said, be fruitful and multiply. I want you to be productive. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to be increasing. He said, I want you to replenish the earth. I want you to be refilled and refueled and subdue it and have dominion. I want you to take authority. I want you to control the environment that you live in. Guess what? A lot of people think that you don't have anything to do with what you receive, but I understand the Word of God, and I have a lot to do with what I receive. Amen? Now, not only did He give them a job to do, Right? He wanted them to take dominion. He wanted them to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. But he said to them, he gave them something to do it. If God's called you to do something, he's given you what it takes to do what he called you to do. 1 Thessalonians, I believe it's chapter 5, verse 24, verse 25, says something like this. Faithful is he who calleth you who also will do it. That's why I always say I have everything I need to do everything God called me to do. I have no lack in any area of my life. I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Amen. We came here and started this church in 2001. We had almost no people and we had almost no money. Amen. But we started giving and we started believing. Hallelujah. And today everything that you see is completely paid off. This church is a very blessed church. It's a very prosperous church. Amen. I want you to know that I'm a very blessed pastor. 
I'm a very prosperous pastor. Okay, and I'm, I, listen, I believe that's God's will for every person that lives on the planet. I believe that there is enough wealth in the earth for every person here. I don't believe that God wants anyone to lack. Now you say the Bible says the poor you always have with you. Yeah, you will. But if you find out the truth, if you find out what the Bible says and you start believing it and acting on it, you don't have to stay in the condition that you're in. I thank God that when I was 14 years old, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I also found out who I was in Christ, and I found out there's a Bible full of promises that you can believe. And so I started believing, praise God. And my believing has changed my receiving. And maybe I haven't completely got where I'm going. My believing's out in front of me, but thank God I've left. I had heard someone the other day criticizing Brother Jesse DePlantis because he's prosperous. I said, the problem with them is they just grew up and they had everything handed to them. They never suffered lack. Jesse DePlantis grew up with lack. And, and I listen, I, Lawson Purdue, grew up. When I started hearing this, my parents lived in a tin house and drove cars with hundreds of thousands of miles. But I heard the gospel and I started believing it. And if you'll believe it, it'll change your life. I haven't received everything but, that I believe for, but I've received a lot. And I keep my believing out in front of where I'm receiving. And how, if you've experienced poverty, you learn you've got to hate it. God is not the author of po poverty. When God created man in the garden, he, he made abundant provision for them. They had everything that they need. And so he told them, listen, I want you to take authority. I want you to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and have dominion. And then he said, I have given you every, in verse 29, herb-bearing seed. Right here is where seed time and harvest comes from. I've given you every herb-bearing seed which is on the face of the earth and every tree which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it will be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air, everything that creeps on the earth wherein there's life. I've given every green herb for meat and it was so. So he gave them things bearing seed and things that had life. What God said is, this is what I want you to do, and here is what I'm giving you to do it. God never tells you to do something that he doesn't equip you to do it, that he doesn't enable you to do it. Praise God. So first of all, he gave them, uh, you know, authority, and second of all, he gave them ability. How many of you glad that God created you with authority, and he created you with ability? Now it says in verse 31... God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. In other words, God told them to do something, then he empowered them to do it. The gospel really is about empowerment. Praise God. Do you know you don't hear a lot about the devil in the Old Testament? You know why you don't hear a lot about the devil? Because people didn't have authority over the devil like we have authority over the devil. 
But when you get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see the devil. Jesus took authority over the devil. And at the cross, in his death, burial, and resurrection, he gave us authority over the devil. So the true gospel is really about empowerment. God has empowered. Everybody say empowered us to prosper. And the gospel work for anybody, anywhere that will believe it. If you'll believe it, you can receive it. I thank God I believe it. Now, maybe I haven't received everything I believe, but praise God, I'm, I'm believing. Amen? Now, if we turn to Genesis chapter 8, look at this. This is about 4,000 before Christ when, when the creation takes place. And, and God, you know, gives man and he sets up this principle, seed time and harvest, then in Genesis chapter 8, after Noah's flood, Noah gets off of the ark and Noah built an altar to the Lord. He offered burnt offerings. It says in verse 21, Genesis 8, 21, the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I smite everything that is lived as I've done. Then he sets up this principle. In verse 22, while the earth remains, as long as the earth remains. So the next time these government people tell you that all the icebergs are melting and everything's going to flood with water and there's not going to be much food, enough food on the planet for the people, you just say, you know what, God is true and they're a bunch of liars. About the greenhouse effect. Listen, Aaron can tell you that some volcano blows off and it, it creates more greenhouse effect than all the people on the planet in about one week's time. But God said, as long as the earth remains, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, cold out there today, summer and winter, Summer and winter, day and night, the sun's still shining out there. Amen? Shall not cease. So what happened? This was after Noah's flood. There was like a reset, right? But he said, as long as the earth remains, there are some things that are going to be happening. There's some things that are going to be working. So this is still working. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, okay, this is about 2,400 years be before Christ at this time. So 1,600 years after Adam, Noah, and the flood, God blessed Noah and his sons and said in chapter 9, verse 1, be fruitful and multiply. He's saying it again. Be fruitful. I want you to be productive. I want you to be increasing. I want you to be refilled and refueled and replenish the earth. And God makes a covenant with man. He says, I make my covenant with you. I like God's covenant because he made the covenant. Amen. I like the promises of God because God made the, the covenant is not about Lawson Purdue's idea. The covenant is not about Andrew Womack's idea. The covenant is not about Jesse Duplantis' idea. The covenant is God's idea. The covenant is God's promise to you. And I'm so glad I make this covenant. God always comes first between me and you. 
Glory to God. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26, we come into the time of Isaac. Isaac lived about 2,000 years before Christ. In Genesis chapter 26, in verse 2, it's, actually, we'll, we'll read verse 1. Genesis 26, verse 1 through verse 4. So the first principle that we see talking about uh, giving and receiving is really talking about seed time and harvest. And we see that in Genesis chapter 1. We see it in Genesis chapter 6. But it's not only a, the first principle laid out in the Scripture about it, it the initial principle it's also a continuing principle throughout the Word of God. So we see it here in Genesis 26, verse 1. There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Amblech, the king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Do not go down into Egypt. Dwell, dwell in the land that I tell you of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For unto you and your seed, he's renewing this covenant that he made with Abraham. I will give all these countries and I will perform the oath which I swear to Abraham, your father. You know all these woke liberal people, these crazy people chanting these chants from the river to the sea? You know what that means? That means that they want to wipe Israel off the face of the planet. Islam actually controls over 600 times the land space of Israel. And these people are crazy. But God made a promise. And guess what? God keeps his promises. So the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, dwell in the land that I tell you of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you, for unto you and unto your seed will I give all these countries, and I will perform the word which I swear to Abraham your father. And I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. Guess what? They thought at one time they could count the stars, but then they developed a bigger telescope. And they figured out that the stars are innumerable. And I will give to your seed all these countries, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. God preached the gospel to Abraham when he told him that in Genesis 12. Now he's reiterating, that's what Galatians chapter 3, verse 8 or 9 says. He's reiterating this to Isaac. So there's a famine in the land, and God told Isaac not to leave. And, and look at verse 12. In verse 12, it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. So he believed God. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. Now, if something waxed great, how does wax work? You get a little, right? And a little more. And a little more. It's just, it's just like a, a buildup. Amen? I actually saw Pat Robertson years ago, and he showed how somebody making 20 
thousand dollars a year that saved lived on nineteen thousand how quickly they got ahead and then he showed the same thing if somebody made twenty thousand dollars a year and spent twenty one thousand how quickly they got behind so it's just little by little but what you do little by little and do it for a long time it builds up right that's why I say if your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep be your downfall. So Isaac, it says this, I, he waxed great, he went forward, and he grew until he became very great. For he had possession. Hallelujah. He had possession. Everybody say, had possession. God wants the church to have possession. God wants you to have possession. He had possession. He had possession of flocks and herds and a great store of servants. He had a lot of people working for him. And the Philistines envied him. You know why the world doesn't want you to teach prosperity and the world wants to criticize the church for preaching prosperity because they're really envious. Aaron said something the other day. He said, if you and the church are mad about what the same thing the world is mad about, you got a problem. And a lot of people in the church have taken up the sound of the world rather than the sound of what God says. He had possession. Now, then the Philistines in him. Notice what it says in verse 15. For all the wells which his father's servants digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines stopped them and filled them with earth. How many of you know some people aren't near as excited about your well-being as God is? The devil will come try to stop up your well. And Amalek said to Isaac, go from us for you are mightier than we. They were really afraid of them, right? Because Isaac had these great flocks and great herds. Isaac departed there and pitched in his tent in the valley in verse 17 of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again in the wells of water which they digged in the days of Abraham his father. I want you to know the devil might try to stop up your well, but you can dig it again. Amen. Now how do you dig that well again? You keep believing. Never, ever, ever quit believing God. No matter what problem, no matter what difficulty comes your way, never quit believing God. Keep believing God. Amen. Keep sowing. Hallelujah. Keep sowing. Keep believing. Keep sowing. Keep believing. Keep sowing. He digged again, wells of water in the days. They digged in the day, days of Abraham, his father. So you keep believing, keep praying in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says you build up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. For the Philistines stopped them. So they stopped them, but they, they dug them again. And it says, then after the death of Abraham, he called their names after the name by which his father called them. Verse 19 says, Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. So they got a new well. You keep believing. You keep praying. You keep trusting God. You keep giving. And guess what? You'll find wells with new water. Wells springing up. There's new things. 
Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor with the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase, so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your vats will burst forth with new wine. So they not only got back what the devil tried to steal from them, they got more. I've had some time when the devil tried to steal things from me, but I kept believing God and might it took me a while, but I got it all back because the Bible says what? It says if a thief be found, he's got to repay it. How many times? Seven times. So I didn't get it back one time or two times or three times or four. I got it back seven times over. I never, you know what, you know what old, the old religious world of unbelief will teach you. If you've had a hard time, then God is a sovereign God, and he must not want you to do that. I had some of my pastor friends tell me that before. When I had a big, you know, financial crisis or difficulty, well, then the Lord must want, not want you to, listen, you just got to realize there's a devil in hell that doesn't want you to prosper. So I kept believing God. I never quit believing God. Hallelujah. And I got it back not one time, not two times, not three times, seven times. And I ain't stopping here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, when I was about 14 years old and heard the full gospel, I started believing God. I could make a hundred thousand I started believing God I could have a $100,000 net worth and I could live off that. Amen? And then I got to 100000 I started believing for a million. Then I got to a million, I started believing. And I'm believing for beyond where I am. I keep it out in front of me. Hallelujah. When we came to this church, we had almost no people and no money. So I started believing for $5,000 a month. And when I got there, I started believing for $10,000 a month. When I got there, I started believing for a quarter million a year. When I got there, I started believing for a half a million a year. When I got there, I started believing for a million a year. When I got there, I started believing for two million a year. When I got to two million, I started believing for three million a year. When I got there, I started believing for seven million. And I'm believing. Amen, and I'm still believing. Amen. Have we ever had any setbacks? Yes. Have we ever had any difficulties? Did Isaac have any difficulties? Yes. Did the devil try to stop him? Yes. Did he stop? No. He kept believing. He kept moving forward. You got to keep believing and keep moving forward. Hallelujah. The herdmen of Gerar strove with Isaac's herdmen. Verse 20, saying, the water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strife, a place of strife. And they digged another well. Everybody say, dig another well. You can dig another well. They dug another well and strove, the, the, the enemies strove for that. And he called the name of Sitna. And he removed from there and digged another well. He just, he just kept digging wells. He just didn't stop. For all that they strove not, and he called the name of it Rehoboth. He said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful. The Lord 
Everybody say, the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in this land. The Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful. And he went up in verse 23 to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him and the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, I am with you and I will bless you and I will multiply your seed. God is into multiplication. And he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord and pitched a tent there. And Isaac's servants digged a well. They just kept digging well. They just kept going. They kept believing. So, number one, it's the first principle of the scripture, seed time and harvest. Number two, it's a continual principle of the scripture that we see laid out in the word of God. Now, in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus, in the middle of the parable of the sower, said that if you could understand the parable of the sower, basically, that you can understand the kingdom. And he said, basically, everything in the kingdom operates according to the parable of the sower. And you find the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, in Luke chapter 8, and in Mark chapter 4. So if you can understand this principle. So Jesus is talking about this. Now in the parable of the sower, you have three main things. What do you have? You have the ground. You have the seed. And you have the sower. Okay? Now which one of those controls the harvest? The ground has something to do with it. The sower controls it. If you sow little, you reap little. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully, right? So the sower has something, and with the kind of seed that he sows, right? So the sower, the seed, and the ground. Your heart is the ground. You can control your heart. So you can determine the kind of harvest that you receive, right? All three are important. See, because not only did Jesus sow the word, you can read also where an enemy came and sowed tares in the field. So there's also can be bad seed. It might even, tares look like wheat, but they don't produce anything. They're unfruitful. Right? So you got to watch what kind of seed you allow to remain in the garden of your heart. Because if you allow the wrong seed, if you believe the wrong things, you reap the wrong harvest. So you, you have to guard your heart. Right? Because if you don't have the right seed, if you, if you believe the wrong thing, you have to have the wrong result. So the sower sows the word. So I believe the word above everything. I've been born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God that is living and abiding forever. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. James chapter 1, verse 18. 
But after James talks about being born again, he says this in verse 21, receive with meekness the engrafted word. The problem with some people is that they no longer have a meek attitude towards the word. And whenever you fight the word, you're not going to win. So I made a decision. Whatever the word says is what God says. I believe it. Amen, and, I, and, and because I believe it, I'm receiving the good things from it. If things look like a word's not working, I'm never going to question the word because God is the author of the word. I don't question God. And I, I know God by what he says in his word. So if I'm receiving something different than God said that he is or what God said that he does, I know it didn't come from God. Also, if I'm doing something different than what God says in his word, I'm going to repent. The problem is we got a whole lot of people that don't want to repent. Now, repent means not only change, like if you're going to the bar every night, turn around and go to church. Right? If you're, if you're doing the wrong thing, turn around and do the right thing. Repent also means this. It means to change your thoughts. The Bible says that God repented. Now, we know he never sinned. But it means that he changed the way he was thinking about something or how he was going to deal with it. So the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 21, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul because your spirit got saved when you're born again, but your brain still needs some work. And the problem with some of you is you just got too smart and you quit believing what God said about something. So if God said it, I believe it. In fact, they used to have this bumper sticker said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. It should say, God said it, that settles it. Because the fact is, God said it, that settles it. If you believe it, you can receive it. If you doubt it, you do without it. Right? So I'm believing the word. So seed time and harvest is an initial principle of the scripture. It's a continual principle of the scripture. And Jesus said about the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, that if you can understand this parable, you can understand the kingdom, how the kingdom operates. Amen? Seed time and harvest is also mentioned in the greatest dissertation on giving in the New Testament. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to start reading in verse 5. Paul says this, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is the greatest dissertation on giving in the New Testament. Now he says this in verse 5, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you to make up beforehand your bounty, wherein you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. So he says, I want you to give out of generosity rather than need. Right? And what he's saying is I sent people to go ahead and receive the offerings ahead so when people came there wouldn't be lack. Right? But he says this I say in verse 6, he who sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. I grew up in southeastern Colorado. 
I grew up on a farm in the Arkansas Valley, north of Lamar, Colorado, right under the Fort Lyon Canal. And my grandfather's dad and his parents taught my grandfather as a young man, if you take good care of what you have, you'll always have enough. And my grandfather took very good care of what he had. However, he didn't have an expansion. He didn't really have an abundance mentality. So in the 1930s, in the Dust Bowl, my granddad had the opportunity to buy thousands of acres around him for $1 an acre. Realize it was blowing dirt. They thought it would never produce again. My granddad was unusual because my granddad had the money in the bank to buy this land. Now, I worked for my grandfather in his 60s, 70s, right? Up into his, you know, nearly 80s. And I saw that later in life, my granddad regretted not buying that land and not being bigger thinking. And I thought as a young man, when I get to be 80 years old, I don't want to be regretting things. And most people, when they're in their upper years, do not regret taking risks. Most people regret not taking more risks. So Lawson Purdue has been a risk taker. Sometimes he scared himself. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. But that's how I grew up. You understand? Now, when I was 23, went to Bible school, graduated from Bible school. I'd already done some correspondence courses. And we started a church in Kit Carson. Right? 56 miles northwest of Lamar, Colorado. 120 miles east of here. Out on the prairie. And when I started this church in Kit Carson, I had farmers that became my mentors. And in Kit Carson, they had a different mentality, right? And so I had three farmers that, that all started by borrowing money, but they farmed giant farms, and they thought big. So I grew up, in, and you know what? We would plant these 20 or 30 acre irrigated fields. We had some dry land. We did have about a section of dry land for a period of time. I wanted to buy it. When my granddad sold it when I was, you know, 13 or 14 years old, my granddad didn't want me to buy it. I think I was 14, 15, 16, right in there. And you know, if I'd have bought it, I'd have paid it off pretty quick because had, they had some great <laughs> harvest right after he sold it. But my granddad didn't want me to buy it. But anyway, that's how he thought, right? Then I saw the regret later, right? So I decided, I made this decision in my mind as a young man, I'm not going to live with a lot of regret. So I'm going to take some risks. I'm going to take some chances. And not every risk I've, I haven't won at everything. Some of you think that I, that I never lose. And I'll tell you what, I have lost almost more than anybody in this room. But I have won a lot more than I've lost. Amen? But it's, I've taken some risks along the way. You understand that? Does that make sense to you? 
And I always believe God, no matter what. I never quit believing God, and I never blame God. I never blame God. When, I, when something goes wrong, I take full responsibility. Like, I didn't hear you right, God. <laughs> Amen? I understand God's not to blame. If it goes wrong, it's Lawson Purdue that went wrong. Amen? Now, so, so we would plant these irrigated fields, 20 or 30 acres, right? And, and we would grow, you know, maybe 100 bushel wheat, plant 60 pounds an acre, get 100 times that. And we did this year after year because we could control a lot of elements with that, right? Now, dry land's a different thing. However, when I moved to Kit Carson, so if, if we planted 20 acres and we got a 100 bushel harvest, we got 2,000 bushels. So we got 10 little truckloads, 200 bushel truck, little truck. A semi is 1,000 bushel. All right, so we got 10 little truckloads of grain. I had farmers in Kit Carson that planted. They started planting the end of August. They'd plant clear till November. And then in November, they would take a, a, well, a truckload, 200, pound, 200 bushels of seed, and they would go around and plant all the edges of their fields where they started planting, where the grasshoppers ate off the edges of the fields. And the edges of their fields would get more harvest than our whole farm. Amen? But I begin to think, by being around these people, I begin to think in a bigger realm. And you're, many times people are limited by their thinking. He who sows sparingly, and he's talking about giving and receiving, but I'm talking about giving and receiving in the realm of harvest. See those combines? One of those combines in a day can combine about a square mile of wheat. That's a long day, right? Because farmers, as long as the dew isn't set, when they get in harvest, they'll go 24-7. They never quit. When the harvest is ripe, they go at it. And I believe harvest is available at another dimension, far beyond where we're at, square mile section, 640 acres, one of these. <laughs> Hallelujah. He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Now look at what he says. Every man, in verse 7, according as he purpose is in his heart, so let him give. I purposed in my heart when I was a young man to be a giver. I purposed in my heart. When we went to Kit Carson and started our first church, we determined to give 10 cents out of every dollar to other ministries and missions, and we did that. In fact, we gave about 50% of the money away there to outreach and other ministries. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I sowed a seed, hallelujah. I remember when I was about 16 years old, I gave my first $1,000 offering to a missionary. That wasn't my tithe, that was an offering. I remember when I got my first paycheck when I was 13 years old from driving the tractor, and I'm, I drove the tractor all summer. I made about $13, $3 an hour. I made $1,350 driving tractor that summer, and I took and put $135 in the Sunday school offering. That's a big offering for my junior high. Amen? Class. Amen? Glory to God. So I tithe. My dad taught me to tithe when I was little. I'll talk more about that later. 
But you know what? I remember when I gave my first $1,000 seed. And you know what? I've continually been a giver. This church is a giving church. We came here with almost no people and almost no money, and, and we determined to give. Amen? And we're blessed. And people make fun of us. Other churches, when people come here, they say, oh, you're going to that prosperity church. Well, what Bible are you reading? Have you read the Bible? Do you believe that God wants his people to prosper? The problem with you is you haven't read your Bible. You just don't believe it. You're too worried about what somebody else thinks about you instead of what God thinks about you. But he says, purpose in your heart. Don't give grudgingly because you have to do it, because somebody twisted your arm, because somebody made you do it, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I get excited about giving. I get excited about sowing seed. Hallelujah. Notice what he says in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. That means there is some grace that will not be available to you if you don't get involved in the grace of giving. You see that? I was actually sharing on this with Dr. Shirley. We were doing a week of television on missions. And I said, some of you may miss out on some grace if you don't get involved in the grace of giving. He said, no, let's say you will miss out on some grace if you don't get involved in the grace of giving. And he says, he's, when you give, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That say, always having all sufficiency. In all things may abound to every good work. Say, I always have all sufficiency in all things, and I can abound to every good work. Okay, now he says in verse 9, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Who's that talking about? You got it right. See if anybody else. Who's that talking about? You got it right. When I first read that, I thought that's talking about God. But it's actually talking about man. And the scripture he's quoting is Psalms 112 verse 9. In Psalm 112, he's talking about the blessing of a righteous man, the blessing on a righteous life. Amen? Now, I believe... When we understand who God is, because the Bible says that God is good to all in Psalm 147, that his tender mercies, or Psalm 145, verse 7 to 9, then verse 15 to 17, his tender mercies are over all of his works. So I believe, first of all, it comes from God, but secondly, it's us. But he's actually quoting Psalm 112, verse 9, that's talking about a, a good man. And he says this in verse 10 when we get involved in this grace of giving. Now, he who ministers seed to the sower. God gives seed to sowers. If you say, I don't have any seed, then determine in your heart to be a sower. And God will see that you have seed to sow. God gives seed to the sower. 
He says, secondly, he will minister bread for your food. Everybody say bread for my food. So when you determine to be a giver, you never have to worry about your food. Amen? God will give you seed to sow, bread to eat, bread for your food, and he will increase. Seed to sow, bread to eat, and increase the fruit of your righteousness. He goes on and says this, the fruit of this grace of giving, the fruit of seed time and harvest, is that you'll be rich, enriched in everything. Everybody say, I am rich. I have an abundant supply in every area of my life to all bountifulness. So he says you'll have enough in every area which causes through us. Paul says we rejoice when you get involved in this. You'll have enough in every area of life and it will cause through you thanksgiving to God. Hallelujah. We Listen, we don't have to do it. We get to do it. Amen? Now you can read all through verse 15 because the rest of those verses are all talking about when we get involved in sowing and reaping, when we get involved in the grace of giving, that it causes thanksgiving to God. Amen? So, in my conclusion is this. If we're going to fulfill our God-given purpose in life, it takes a seed. Amen? It takes a seed. Now, God has given us a seed. Amen? His son Jesus is the greatest seed. Our life is a seed. And what is in our hand is a seed. I like to think about every aspect of giving when I give, and I love giving. I like to think about every aspect of it being a seed. Because if, it, if it's a seed, it has a future. Amen? So when you give to this church, now I got ministers of the gospel that I love that get mad about me talking about this. Because they're like, the tithe belongs to the Lord. And the Bible does say that. But I like you to think about every aspect of giving that you give. When you give to Karis Christian Center, I like to think about it as seed. And I like to think about every aspect of giving that I do as seed. You know why? Because a seed has a future. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.